0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Man City's European dream is over for another season, but there's no time to feel sorry for themselves as they look to get right back on that horse to maintain their slenderest of leads over Champions League finalists. Liverpool. AC Milan, they're within touching distance of the Scudetto, but nothing is a given in this topsy-turvy world of Serie A, where Salernitana look to prolong their Harry Houdini impersonation. A new team will be crowned the Coupe de France champion, and while the league titles might be settled in Spain and Germany, there's still plenty to play for in La Liga and the Bundesliga. Jonathan Johnson, Heath Pierce is with me to break it all down. kego lasso weekend preview begins right now. Welcome to Lasso YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, Kegolasso Pod on Twitter, CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. We keep on growing. Now we're aiming for 12,000 subscribers on YouTube. Thank you so much. Help us get there, of course. Heath Pierce, what's up, buddy?
2: What's going on? I'm just, uh, you know, I, I, I've i done a pod with you here since I've been on the road, and the lighting was different different time of day, and now I'm trying to play with it and figure it out. But, uh, you know, if I look a little alien- alien-y, I apologize. I'm working on that.
1: Nah, don't worry, man. It's always Hollywood uh, Heath in the house, even when it's blurry. Hollywood Heath, we still love you, buddy. Jonathan Johnson, what's up, man?
3: Hey there, guys. Heath preaching to the choir. Good to have you back. No, I know all about it. I've got this really annoying ray of sunlight beaming down on me, and you know what? I feel so left out because I'm not wearing a cap that I'm gonna have to put one on. <laughs> right now, <laughs> oh, oh, it's now it's man. now a full house. It's We're- very, it's
2: a very, it's a very neutral hat, Vans. You know, I like, know. It's, uh,
3: I don't know. Honestly, I've got friends who are convinced that I have some sort of like personal sponsorship deal with them. I've got like 10 pairs in my wardrobe. <laughs> I'm wor- worse than my girlfriend. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: We are doing a good judgment of advertisement for hats everywhere. So welcome, everybody, to Kegolazo. Jonathan Johnson, John underscore like Gossip at Heath Pierce, of course, and LME, LME kego Lasso weekend preview. Before we get going, very quickly, congratulations to Seattle Sounders on a historic victory as they beat Pumas from a two-legged final affair in the CONCACAF Champions League. They're going to the club World Cup. Amazing history. The first time an NMLS, MLS club has won this. Fantastic in a record crowd. By the way, Heath Pierce quickly discussed to me just how great it was. Raul Rodríguez, by the way. Yes, the Peruvian who came in 2018 and has really helped. Uh, he's Seattle's son now. But Seattle Sounders, Heath Pierce, How big is this?
2: Oh, it's massive. I mean, it's it's a it's a historic achievement. As we know, there was so many different things about it, from the fact that it was a record-setting crowd for a single match in, in a final in this competition uh, of any games. The fact that it was the Seattle Sounders who have built a little bit of a dynasty. Uh, you know, when you haven't look when you look at some of the bigger markets and stuff, when you look at the LA Galaxy, Sounders have been uh, a playoff team, a championship team, and to now be the ones to take this. This Champions League title, I think, is, is a massive uh, achievement and, and starts to put MLS on the map. I'm curious to see what the, what the uh, actual TV ratings are because the way that they promoted it, the way that we came into it, it's sort of one of the few things right now that it's not local market-based. This is about MLS versus and MX, and it's been a really important thing where we've fallen short, and they've had the bragging rights for a number of years now around this game. And so to see Seattle be able to take that against the Puma side that had a miraculous run to the final as well is, is nothing short of uh, spectacular for the growth of the league and, and for fandom within the league.
3: Yeah, sort of something I wanted to, to, to grow on uh, just quickly with a question. I mean, it's, it's been over 10 years since like my uh, brief uh, flirtation with Major League Soccer. And uh, I, I don't quite remember uh, what the reasoning was for it back then. But, you know, why has the CONCACAF Champions League been so elusive for MLS sides uh, for so long?
2: I mean, a lot of it was about depth. I mean, you go back to the start of MLS. Uh, you just go back to the start of each season of CONCACAF Champions League. You're coming out of preseason, so you have a little bit of a dip of form here where you might lose a team. You haven't played maybe even an official match yet before CONCACAF Champions League starts up. But it's always been the depth of the rosters, you know, the depth within the team. MLS over the last 10 years has started to bolster the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth player in the, in the lineup, 10th, 11th player. Now we've created these mechanisms from – you know, all these different allocation monies that allows you to build a deeper roster and a deeper squad that can one, take you further in the tournament when you're in the middle of a, a season, but also compete with some of these other teams. I mean, just salaries alone, uh, salary bases alone has always sort of been the difference between League A-Mekis and the way that they pay the depth of their roster versus MLS, which is in previous years been set on a few key players. You're starting to see that distributed throughout a team and you're building stronger teams with higher salaries, which means higher quality players. And I think we're finally to that point where we matched up. You know, LAFC were in a final before as well and thought that they'd be the first one because of the way that they had built their team, especially the style of play in which they could play against Ligue Mequis. But there's also, to win, you've got to beat a Club America. You've got to beat a Tigres a lot of times. You've got to beat a Monterrey. You know, you've got to beat a Santos when they're in the top of their form. So they've got some of these clubs that have some incredible teams. This year, fortunately, it was against a Puma side who haven't been great in the league. They've sort of been on a Cinderella run coming back against New England, coming, uh, having to fight it out against Saprissa. And so it's a different type of team that they had to play against. And Seattle were just too strong. And we needed a team like Seattle that have been a playoff team. They've been a championship team. They know how to play in these games of consequence. And so all of that sort of stewed together is what I think led to this point. And hopefully going into the future, no matter which team goes on the deepest run for MLS, we're going to be able to, like on paper at least, compete uh, quality-wise with, with Liga Mekis for a title.
1: And ironically enough, as I said, uh, Raul Rudia scoring a brace there, he was a golden boot winner in Liga MX, so it's kind of MLS uh, taking some talent from the Mexican side. Let's not forget also the, the, you know, the professional league in Mexico was founded in 43, 1943. MLS wasn't established until 50 years later in 93 as well. So there's, you know, there was a lot for catch up for MLS to do, but Amazing, amazing for Seattle Sanders. You're going to see them in the Club World Cup. Incredible stuff. Can't wait to see more of that. All right, let's. uh,
2: Yeah, Luis, by the way, the last thing I wanted to say, uh, JJ, was that the Mexican teams live for the Club World Cup. Like if you listen to the way that they talk about the Club World Cup and the way that it's held for a shop window for them, an opportunity for most of these players to compete against uh, the top teams in the world, Again, that's a mentality that I've, I haven't heard from us. And granted, we haven't been there. And I'm saying we, I mean, Major League Soccer. We haven't been there to actually validate it or make it worthwhile. But that's been a huge goal for them to compete in that year in and year out, to be able to prove, to show their players, put them in the shop window, to show that they can compete, that the quality of the league compares to other leagues around the world when it's one of the few and rare opportunities. So I know this has been a massive, massive uh, priority for Liga and Mekis as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I dude, look, I look, it was huge. I Go look, ahead, looking, Kevin.
3: I look forward to them bringing the rave green to their Club World Cup. I mean, I think it's something very exclusively European being dismissive of that competition because I know it's something that's massive in South America as well and for the Asian teams that get to represent there. So, uh, you know, looking forward to, uh, to to something slightly new in that one because the, the makeup uh, of the Club World Cup is often, you know, the same year in, year out. So to see an MLS side there, I think is going to add some new intrigue, especially one that's so well followed as well.
1: Yeah, when you see Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson tweeting about Raúl Ruidíaz and Seattle Sounders, that's gotta, <laughs> that's gotta feel good, baby. It's it's great stuff. Congratulations, Seattle Sounders, as well. All right, let's move on. Weekend preview, everybody. There's a lot of action to be discussed. As we mentioned in the introduction, some leagues have already been determined in terms of champions, but there's still a lot to play for. And of course, we begin as we always do in the Premier League, uh, fresh after making another Champions League final, Liverpool now face Tottenham as their quadruple chase continues against the Tottenham side under Antonio Conte, by the way, who is fighting hard for a Champions League spot. So it's not just about Liverpool and this title chase and the quadruple. It's about Tottenham getting some Champions League action. Jonathan Johnson, let's begin with you. This is a massive game. And, you know, Liverpool players and Jurgen Klopp, you know, pretty I'm, I'm imagining they celebrated right after that victor victory of Villarreal, but now it's all business as they look to play Tottenham.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really intrigued as to how Spurs approach this one, given what they saw from Villarreal in midweek, because if there's one guy you don't really want to dangle, uh, you know, a lot of pressing football in and showing him that there's a route to success via that, it's definitely Antonio Conte. And I feel like Spurs, he's going to have the well drilled for this one because this for me, it's—I I think it's probably arguably the trap match now remaining for for Liverpool between now and the end of the season, with the obvious uh, exception of the Champions League. You don't know which kind of Real Madrid you're going to come up against, as Man City discovered uh, at their peril on uh, on Wednesday night. So I I think that this one is, uh, is a th- real threat for Liverpool. And if they can come out of it with three points, that massively increases their chances uh, of being able to wrest this title uh, away from Man City. Because at the moment, City are in the driving seat, but you just wonder what impact this is going to have mentally going out of the Champions League. Because when we were doing the preview the other day, we were talking about it almost as if it was definitely going to be City in the final uh, and that the only way they might get demoralized uh, this season is if they were to lose in the final again. But now that they've actually gone out of the Champions League once more and they're going to have to wait at least another season to have another crack at it, you know, you just wonder if that's going to be maybe curtains for the remainder of their season.
2: Yeah, I fully agree. I think, you know, to me it comes down to that, that, that first half versus second half for Liverpool. That first half for Liverpool either that was a sign of, of fatigue or or, or what, because I don't think they're, they're mentally letting off, a sign of fatigue, or it was a wake-up call, and that second half was a reminder to them that they're going to have to fight for every single moment. You know, obviously, if you go back to the Villarreal game, and I know you guys have recapped that and previewed them to, to, to death, it was a completely different side with Villarreal, and I could see how you could sort of not think that they were going to come out and fight the way that they did. So when I look at this one, I look at a side... I look at a team like Spurs who are in fantastic form right now. And while you look at, you look at on on uh, the statistically for, for Liverpool and the form that they're in right now, you know, eight clean sheets in their last nine, they've won 12 straight. They're in this outrageous run of form. So are Spurs. Spurs are fantastic. You go back to the last 10 games in the league. And I think Spurs are third in total points, one in the last last 10 games in the, in, uh, in the premier league. So they're mm. in fantastic form right now. Their best players are playing, um, at, at their peak levels again. And so I don't think this is going to be an easy one for Liverpool. I think it's going to be a really difficult one. And the fact that they do have so much to manage right now, this could be, as JJ mentioned, that 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 last sort of hill or hump they're going to have to get over. But I, I don't think it's going to be easy. And I and I could see uh, Spurs being able to sneak out of this one, potentially with a point.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a tough one. From a squad perspective, everybody, Roberto Fermino returns to training for Liverpool and apparently no absentees for Liverpool. They all look good right after beating Villarreal in training Tottenham. Sergio Reguilon, I feel he's out for the remainder of the season, so that's what some reports are happening, but Antonio Conte's side should have enough in order to make things happen. And by the way, after this weekend, of course, next week is the North London Derby, and that is so big, Uh, and I know especially big for Arsenal fan Heath Pierce over here. By the way, in the table, just like Heath was talking about the run of form that Tottenham are going for, you can see right here Tottenham, Oh, You know, they need to keep winning. They need to keep gaining points because Arsenal are yet uh, still above them in fourth. And Liverpool, only one point under Man City. Well, let's do some quick predictions then. Heath, I, I know that you just said uh, this could be a banana slip for Liverpool. What do you think?
2: Well, I think that if it is going to be a draw in the way that I mentioned, I'll go with the draw on this one. It's going to have to be a multi-goal thriller, so to speak. I think you're going to be looking at a 2-2 draw if I were to predict the draw, I don't think it's going to be a low-scoring draw. I mean, Liverpool just have too much in the attack and are too comfortable, and Spurs as well, being able to bait and maybe frustrate Liverpool and, and create their opportunities in the attack. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw, which I have. I don't think I've done that all season, given up a 2. 2 I've never heard you say draw, a 2-0 draw. But, yeah. Yeah. I feel in the yeah. history
1: of our relationship, you've never said two-old draw. Uh, I can confirm that. JJ,
3: I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, no, no more cheese pizza uh, predictions <laughs> from uh, from Heath. Now, I think for, for me, I, I agree. I can see both teams scoring. Um, I think Liverpool are just going to shade this. I think this could be a really pivotal weekend in the title race because it's going to put massive pressure uh, on City if they see Liverpool getting a result like that. So I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. It wouldn't, a draw wouldn't surprise me. I just think they're just about going to eke it out. I think that momentum, especially given the way that they came back against Real and Real just wilted in front of the machine that is Liverpool, uh, You know, I, th- I think uh, it, it's going to be very difficult for any team to derail them at this moment in time.
1: Yeah, I am fighting between both of your predictions, whether it's a draw or a win for Liverpool. I don't think anybody's seeing of a Tottenham victory. Liverpool have only lost one of their last 27 Premier League matches at home against Tottenham, and they're unbeaten in their last 10 since a 2-0 loss in May of 2011. So historically, this really favours Liverpool, and obviously they're unbeaten in 21 Premier League home matches, scoring 52 goals, conceding just nine in that run. Everything points to Liverpool not losing. I just don't know if they will win it. Is it too much for them, for a Tottenham side, who needs to keep going? I'm going to go with a draw, I think. It's going to be an exciting draw. And Heath, I may agree with you. I think it's a high-scoring draw. It's a 2 all result. It should be very intriguing. All right, let's move on. Man City, by the way, it's not like it's easy for them. And uh, to JJ's point, they have to wait until at least another season for Champions League glory. Pep Guardiola continues to live without a Champions League trophy, without Lionel Messi. Yes, it's true. But now they have to try and hope for the only thing that they can fight for right now. Because, you know, no FA Cup, no League Cup, no Champions League. The Premier League is really the only thing that they have left going. And they play a Newcastle United side, by the way, who is very confident. They just lost one nothing to Liverpool the last weekend, Jonathan Johnson. And, uh, you know, I guess this is a Middle Eastern takeover derby, I guess. Uh, How will Newcastle match up against City City next season is another question, which we can talk about in a second. But Jonathan Johnson, big game as well here.
3: Yeah, huge. Uh, And this will be a real test of the hunger that City have uh, to be Premier League champions. I'm not saying that they get complacent given the amount of times they've won the title over the last couple of years. But You know, I I think that so much of this season was built around potential Champions League success and the devastating fashion to which they collapsed against Real Madrid, sort of PSG-esque, you know, I I think could have, uh, you know, ramifications for them this season. If they can, if if Guardiola can get um, a response from his team, I think they should be fine in this match. But obviously they will know the score from the Spurs-Liverpool match and that could play into, uh, you know, how motivated this group is because... If they're suddenly under pressure, and if Guardiola's, I don't know, you know, still feeling, uh, you know, disgruntled about that Champions League exit, this could get tough for City because Newcastle, they they have nothing really left to play for now. They've done the hard part already, got themselves out of the the mess that they were in at the beginning of the season. You know, everything else from this point onwards is a bonus. You know, for them to finish in the top half of the table, we've spoken about this a few times. Is you know, it's a really impressive achievement for Eddie Howe. Uh, you know, and it's dangerous when when you have something on the line like a league title with the gap that fine uh, between uh, between themselves and uh, and Liverpool. This one could really catch City out. So I think this depends solely uh, on the the mentality of the City players and uh, and Guardiola. I, to be honest, I'm really tempted to say that they draw this one and Liverpool win, and then that really puts the cat amongst the pigeons.
2: Yeah, you know, the thing I would add to that, as as JJ mentioned, uh, City could go into this match in second place, right, Uh, because of just the way that that the matches lining up. Uh, If Liverpool were to win that game based on JJ's prediction, they would go into this match in second place, which is not a great situation to be in. I will say that I've been in different scenarios and circumstances playing when I was playing in, in Europe during my career, and there were times that you had nothing to play for towards the end of the season. But the motivators would come through playing spoilers, right? There's nothing better than being able to be this giant killer that could just disrupt uh, the, the, the status quo of the Premier League. And that's where Newcastle could be tapping into a little bit of that, you know, hey, we're out, but, but uh, there's something that we could do. We could, we could find some motivation within these things. Uh, at the same time, a club could also very quickly rotate players a little bit more because they want to have looks of like, our players part of plans and things like that. So there's a lot of things to navigate there depending on which route they're going to go. Uh, that, that it could be a very difficult one for Manchester City, depending on, again, it feels like it's easy. We talk about, oh, too, mu- too many competitions to focus on. Oh, now they've only got one. But that, that is an emotional drain that they've gone through in the Champions League. That's going to be very, very hard. No matter how much they're like, okay, one last thing to fight through, there's a little bit of that lingering of exhaustion of saying we put everything into this thing year in and year out, and it hasn't worked out for us. Uh, that to, to flip that switch on is going to be up to Pep, as well as the leadership within that, that team, to be able to get up for this game. But I still think, uh, to sort of wrap up my thought, I still think that that City are going to find a way just because of the quality that they have in this one. And while I don't think it'll be a beautiful match if we've seen from City controlling things from start to finish, I think they'll get out of this one with three points.
1: Yeah, the the thing about the Man City loss to Real Madrid, obviously, we know how chaotic Real Madrid has been on on teams like PSG, Chelsea, and now Man City. Is that Man City didn't play a terrible game; they were they were there. If, if that ball that Jack Grealish just you know cleared by uh, Mendy had gone in, it's all over, and it didn't happen, of course. So from a sort of tactical perspective, Man City can just try and continue to be Manchester City. However, to your point about Newcastle and just what the work has been done under Eddie Howe, there's a lot of ambition now for Newcastle United players. Bruno Germeier was tweeting, you know, Champions League, I miss it. Like there's there's this, even though obviously there's no chance of Champions League or European football for Newcastle this season, they want to make a statement about who they are and what they're going to be. This is not going to be easy for Man City, but in terms of the records themselves, everybody, by the way, the Man City have just lost one of their last 20, 28 league matches against Newcastle, and that was when they went down 2-1 at St. James' Park in January 2019. Uh, Man City have scored at least once in each of their last 26 Premier League games against Newcastle. You should expect goals as well. Only Liverpool and Man City have won more Premier League points in 2022 than Newcastle, by the way. So Newcastle are getting points. Interesting one, this one for me. I'm going to go with a Man City slim victory, but I don't, I'm not, uh, Jonathan Johnson, what do you think?
3: Yeah, for me, I'm uh, I'm going to go one-one. Uh, I'm not convinced. Draw, I, I do think I do think that there'll be a chance for City to win. I don't think uh, that they will have fully digested that Champions League disappointment, uh, and I think that Newcastle will catch them out with the draw, and that will make the final few rounds of Premier League games uh, really uh, really interesting. But it's I'm I'm. I, I find it kind of amusing how City are being spared, like the the kind of meltdown chat that that PSG got uh, treated to. I mean, obviously they don't have the same kind of structural problems, but uh, no, it's uh, it, it did kind of uh, amuse me to, yeah, no, to, that's, to see that's that. That, 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 good picture picture that is it is done.
2: very fair. It, is, it I mean it, it, it's, it's again one of those point. things where you're like meltdown to full blown meltdown. Uh, at least PSG come out of the league with the league title, I guess this year. Last year they didn't, uh, but but this year, uh, you know. It's just one of those things where, like, City have been in so so in control that even though, you know, over uh, match over match, and actually, you know, I'm I'm curious uh, from either of you with the remaining matches. Do you think this is the hardest one for for City to take all three points given the circumstances? Considering they've got Wolves still away, they've got they got to play the
1: mighty Villa on the last day of the season. (laughs) And and, 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 (laughs) then to be fair, that
2: that one's that one's at home, boys. So I'm I'm I'm. Could you could you could you imagine that?
1: that? Imagine that, Stevie G
3: playing spoiler and Liverpool I'm actually confirming the title.
1: I'm looking to the Tuesday <laughs> game of that when we play at home to Liverpool and Stevie G plays a spoiler to Liverpool. And, we've, no, and
3: we've, we've still got to play Burnley twice. So we've got to say at the bottom of the table as well.
1: I know, it's crazy. I, should, I don't I know, it's I'm probably going to, to schedule, a, I'm I'm guys, probably lose all four my of those c- games.
2: You guys hijacked my city talk to make it Villa talk. I shouldn't have asked about this All I'll
1: 180 it to Man City talk, Keith Pierce. Give me your prediction on this game then, Man City against Newcastle.
2: I'm going to say uh, 1-0 over Newcastle Man City. Yeah,
1: that's what I think as well. All right. Well, let's uh, keep moving here in the Premier League. Oh, by the way, yes, Desnores, go ahead. Uh, How will Newcastle match up against City next season, do you think? Because the summer is going to be a busy one for both sides, of course. But Newcastle United are obviously going to – they already spent, what was it, $113 million in January. I'm sure they're going to spend – more but look at this i mean you know it should be a very intriguing one for newcastle this summer sorry i'm sorry look at those numbers just in, insane yeah, i wild. mean financial fair play uh i guess is taking the backs
2: to be fair though to be fair though a lot of that's you know you, you you'll spend a lot more surviving than you will trying to trying to trying to good win point. you know when you're yes, when point. you buy something for a, a fortune you're you're going to spend some money to make sure that that uh you know, you're hedging your bets a little bit as opposed yeah. to. Well, here's a question to
1: both of you before we move on because we we still got Arsenal leads as well, which is a big game. Before we move on, a uh, quick question Who who could do you think Newcastle will get like a massive star this summer? Is that possible, Jonathan Johnson? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll take this one
3: first. Uh, one thing I would say in qualifying that, uh, is that. PSG via Ligue 1 have never had sort of the same financial backing that Premier League clubs. Obviously, that's kicked up a massive level now in the Mm -hmm. time since PSG were bought out by the Qataris, but sort of the money available just to your average club even before a takeover like this can happen uh, is so much higher. However, on another PSG-linked note... Why, why not Newcastle go for somebody like Neymar? They're literally one of the only clubs that now could afford him. And he is that kind of statement signing that uh, you know they, they they could kind of use. Uh, I'm not sure how solid he'd be on the Premier League. He said in the past, he doesn't really feel like he needs to go there. But if PSG are really keen to get rid of him as they were uh, recently, then if Newcastle came in with a, a sensible offer, I, I definitely think they'd listen to it.
2: Wow. I think it's a great shout. I mean, <clears throat> The hard part now is that I think we're, even myself, like I grew up in the generation of this Newcastle thing, you know, that was beautiful. And then now I've got this Newcastle thing of like, oh, how is this almost like I, I almost put Newcastle into the, into the Chelsea man's, oh, more Man city where it's like, what's the modern version of them? Cause I've only known this Newcastle for a while, but I think you're going to require some big signing. Obviously they went out in the January transfer window, brought in some players, so as almost like a recruitment process to say, hey, we're going to spend money. We're going to do this right. The down, the, the, the last part of that, though, is, you know, how do you pry Neymar away from cities where he enjoys a certain quality of life uh, that that uh, you're going to find him helicoptering in every morning to training in Newcastle?
1: Yeah, it's just r- amazing. And look, we cannot hide away as well from the controversy behind this purchase as well, because that will continue to linger on on a side that obviously relies on state-owned uh, leadership and financial, economical sustainability which is something that cannot be hide away yes well done Eddie Howe. yes but there's always going to be this controversy behind on how they were purchased in the first place but you know a good shout jonathan johnson neymar w- why not i mean kind of ridiculous maybe get bruno Guimari to uh you know persuade J- All J-J, right. jj
2: just wants to get rid of neymar to be fair That's <laughs> yeah, what he's trying like. to pitch
1: neymar to look at <laughs> <him. No. laughs> ne- Neymar I mean, I, 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 I de- would be amazing.
3: I I, de- I definitely don't stand to gain any kind of commission if he does make this move. Now. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, that's definitely true.
3: All right, very quick. Well, one although else. I could I could do with a few different color variations of this Vans cap. Hey
1: Vans, <laughs> you know where we're at, Vans. What what a, what a cheap not- agent. I know. Terrible. John <laughs> underscore gossip. I don't know. Uh, you know,
3: by Vans. I I consider myself a rich man if I can get a <laughs> a few pastel hues uh in this uh
1: this um, number. <laughs> we will see. Well, you know, they know where you're uh they know where you live. Send some away. All right. Uh listen, Heath Pierce, Arsenal against Leeds, huge. Obviously, for the same themes that we were talking about, Tottenham, and they need to uh climb up that table and get Champions League. But Arsenal, Mikel Arteta, they have that fourth spot right now. But they're hosting Leeds United under Jesse Marsh, who need wins because obviously Everton game in hand, and Leeds are not safe. They are not safe. They need to, you know, get more points in order to stay in the Premier League as well. Everton and Burnley pulling improbable wins out of the uh, the fire, you know, has put Jesse Marsh in serious peril. What do you make of this? Arsenal against Leeds United.
2: Yeah, it's a massive game for Arsenal. They've uh, obviously had a very uh, bipolar uh, run of form recently, but are on the, the good side of that form at the moment. Obviously, for me, the, the, one of the main things is, is Rob Holding, who I thought I'm a little bit worried about him coming in. He ends up scoring probably to start in this game as well, so I'm not too worried about that defensively. And then, and then on, the, on the flip side, for, for and so this is a massive one. Again, they could be going into this match uh, with a decent opportunity to, to go clear. Of their upcoming uh, North London Derby, right? This is the this is the big thing of getting three points here it could put you potentially five points clear of Spurs in North London Derby and start to take a little bit of that edge off in that match. And so that's a, a key motivating factor. And then for Leeds, I just continue to look at their their schedule that they have upcoming. You know, they've got they've got Arsenal and then they've got Chelsea and then got Brighton and Brentford. So it's going to be a very difficult run. But as you mentioned earlier, uh, you both mentioned earlier in the show. Villa, who look like they're on the back side of their skin, hopefully have to play against Burnley two times. So there's there's going to be some sort of something spectacular to wrap up the end of the season on this one. But I still think that Arsenal are the clear favorites. I think Leeds are going to have to do a little too much in these next couple of games. But I think there's still enough points out there uh, if they can get four or say five points in their final four matches to be able to uh, potentially sneak out and stay in the league for another year. That's my hopes for Jesse Marsh, but we'll see.
3: Yeah, it's a tricky situation. And I think we spoke about this when Marsh took over the dangers of inheriting uh, a Marcelo Bielsa side, especially mid-season when you're battling against something as serious as relegation. Uh, And I think he's come up against some of the problems since that initial uh, good upturn of form after he arrived. Uh, I still think that Leeds will have enough just about to to stay up. And I think so much uh, in that relegation battle now rides on what happens with that Everton game in hand, you know, because if Everton, if Everton don't get three points, I, I think It'll be Everton who who drop down. It really wouldn't surprise me, knowing how charitable Villa can be, that we give Burnley at least three points from those two games. Yep. So uh, no, really, for me, I think that I think Leeds will probably be safe, but it might not not necessarily be uh of their own doing. uh I mean, there is an argument, I guess, to say that Brighton and Brentford won't have that much more left to play for uh, by the time they come up against them. But like you said, some clubs, uh, you know, just love to to play spoilers, and you know would would relish the opportunity to push Leeds and their fan base down close towards the relegation zone. But for me, I feel like the decisive uh, factor in this relegation battle is going to come uh, around Everton. Uh, not so much what Leeds do or don't do between now and the end of the season.
1: We will see. I mean, I feel like that game in hand is crucial as well. Arsenal, by the way, I'm beaten in their last 11 meetings with Leeds in all competitions since the three 2 home defeat, but that was back in 2003. So a while uh go all right anything else in the premier league before we take a break uh he fears
2: uh not really for me obviously again that 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 game in hand for for everton obviously with lester lester uh lester pl- taking on on everton i'm interested to see how everton can come out of this one as well uh and then just looking across to that that continued relegation fight i know we haven't touched on it you guys mentioned it a little bit but but burnley's uh Burnley sort of pathway to to safety I'm curious it sounded like JJ uh you you assume that that Burnley have enough in them to to stay safe themselves and that it's actually if Leeds were to stay up it'd be be due to Everton so I'm curious the the thoughts around that but that's those are the main things pretty much we're, we're going into that sort of top four finish which we've covered and then that relegation battle which is just as important as ever
3: yeah, for for me, I think that, like I said, I, it really wouldn't surprise me if Bernie pick up at least three points against Villa. You know, maybe, maybe not in this match, maybe in the other one. But I, I don't know. It, pro- that's probably just me being pessimistic about Villa. I mean, I was on a high because we finally won against Norwich, although it was a little bittersweet sending Dean Smith and Norwich down, uh, at the same time. But, uh, you know, I giant killers, I, I don't know. I mean, they're, 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 no, but I mean, re- realistically, if Villa won all of their games between now and the end of the season, which won't happen, uh, even though we've got those two games in hand, you know, we have that opportunity still to, to get back into the top half of the table. So there is something to motivate the players and play for, but, uh, you know, is that going to be enough? I don't know. We'll have to see what happens these next couple of games. This is the kind of match that Villa should be winning and picking up points and moving back towards mid-table. I just, I don't know. I've I've seen Villa, you know, drop points, uh, throw away leads too many times against uh, Burnley to to have that much confidence. So I think in one of those games against Villa, Burnley will pick up the points that keep them safe.
1: Well, it was this season when Burnley won three-two against us. So they're looking for consecutive league matches uh, victories against Villa since January nineteen seventy. Three, uh, by the way, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm not pessimistic. I'm just realistic with Villa. Sometimes, when uh, you know, but four it's points is the same thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, potato, <laughs> potato. Four points behind ninth, though, uh, from ninth, and with two games in hand over that ninth place spot. So you know, there's a lot to look forward to. All right, so we're gonna take a break. When we come back, Serie a action as AC Milan look to take care of business, but who knows in this Serie? A, season, by the way. And Bundesliga, La Liga chat, Coupe de France, final, final thoughts. And that will be it. Heath Pierce, Jonathan Johnson, LME, Que Weekend Preview. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of
4: Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner, That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Heath Pierce, Jonathan Johnson, and me here. Que go lasso weekend preview. Let's discuss Serie A. Another massive weekend in this. Well, we don't know what's going to happen, but AC Milan leads Serie A with 77 points. Inter Milan, 75. Inter against Empoli. There's no margin for error here for Inter Milan. That's a Friday 12.45 Eastern game, by the way. And Milan travels to Verona. And that's Sunday, 2.45 Eastern. So there's a big gap for AC Milan to see what Inter Milan are going to do. So Inter Milan, with a win, can temporarily take the lead of Serie a, but just like we've seen this entire campaign who knows what's going to happen Jonathan Johnson who knows give me your thoughts over Serie a this weekend.
3: Yeah I mean and I'm really keen to to see how this all shakes out I mean to be honest I'm excited about what's going on uh, tonight I mean we're recording this on a Thursday but Selena Tana up against venezia it's as exciting uh, at the bottom of the table as it is at the top um, but f- I don't know for me it's I, I feel like the damage might have been done now, uh, you know, for regards with regards to Inter uh, and winning the title. It's I mean, that 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 shock loss uh, to Bologna, uh, you know, I feel really will have done some damage. And it really, it's now just up to, to Milan. It's as simple as, you know, if Milan can keep themselves winning the next couple of matches, uh, you know, the title will be theirs. I feel it's one of those where, you know, they're in the driving seat and it's it's almost theirs to to throw away now.
2: Yeah, the other thing on on uh, Slernitana, as we know, they're playing, again, against Venezia, who this, I believe, is the dagger if they're not to, to win this. Venezia have been in really poor form, as we know, have really struggled to find any sort of established footing within the league. And Slernitana have been in an incredible run of form and might do this miraculous thing of being able to stay up in the league. And when I look at that, then they go on to play against Cagliari, who are also... Uh, just uh, just above them in, in the table. Salernitana so right now, currently in the, in, the, in, the, in the first position, 18th place within the league. They have a 12-point swing happening in the next four or five days that's going to be really, really important. And then on the Inter Milan side, I look at Empoli, and Empoli have had a, a few big results throughout the year. Obviously, Inter Milan had to, to wait until the end of the... Uh, had to wait until stoppage time to beat them in the, the, the Coppa Italia, which is, was a, a game that could have easily gone to Empoli, obviously playing with a, a rotated squad in that one. But um yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And then for AC Milan, you know, obviously I'm holding out hopes, but it's, it, there just hasn't been anybody that has completely run away. And again, that added pressure, we talked about that with city, if inter Milan are able to get that result, what does that mean for AC Milan and having that added pressure to have to probably, depending on how the schedule plays out for with kickoff times, do that for the rest of the year. But, but I agree with JJ that it may have been too little too late for for inter Milan and they had their one moment and my focus is probably closer on that relegation battle knowing that if they if Salernitana where to win two of those in a row you start to pull Sampdoria back into the relegation conversation which we know it always seems like oh yeah it's just six easy points and you're 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 safe but when you're in a relegation battle you know these guys would give their arms and legs for for six points for the rest of the season let alone two in a row
1: yeah by the time cr- the- go ahead Jonathan
3: no, I was going to say the crazy thing as well about that is if Sal- Salernitana were, uh, you know, to fail to beat Venezia uh, and Callier, they could still pick up points against Empoli, who seem to reserve their best form for the biggest teams. Uh, and then I think they've got Udinese as well, who, you know, those two are not that difficult if you're a team battling for points at the bottom of the table either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. By the way, by the time you listen to this, you may have already gotten your answer with the uh, Salernitana Game, of course, against Venezia, but they do still have to play Cagliari. But to Heath Pierce's point, uh, the relegation battle is intriguing. Venezia, you would think, pretty much done. Genoa, Salernitana, 18th, but Cagliari, only two points above as we tape. And Spezia and Sampdoria with 33 points as well. Just very quickly, I have a question that's been lingering on my mind. Atalanta, not great. It looks like no European football as well. Gasperini, well adored. They have a few talented players. They're a small club economically speaking, in relation to everybody else. Heath Pierce and JJ jump in. Do you envisage maybe Gasperini leaving Atalanta? He's a very good manager. Could anybody, you know, uh, persuade him as well to to do something?
3: It's a good question. Uh, I'll jump in there. I mean, the rumors recently were that Spalletti might move on from Napoli and that Gasperini might be the one sort of tapped uh, to come and be his replacement. Uh, I mean, I guess a lot of that depends on the relationship between uh, De Laurentiis and uh, Spalletti and whether that really has uh, disintegrated like Napoli's uh, title push. But, I mean, I think as well, Atalanta, this is a a particularly difficult season. They've only started to fall away recently. I mean, they were in the latter stages of the Europa League before they were beaten uh, by RB Leipzig. Uh, And, I mean, I think, you know, the takeover as well, it, it, it adds a very different uh, sort of outlook to the season as as normal. And also these last couple of campaigns, more and more so they've been marked out in Europe and domestically as actually one of the bigger fish. Now they spent so long being the underdog and people talking about them for that, that they're now actually kind of a bit of more of a known quantity. So I'm keen to know how the takeover is going to impact their business. Obviously, the fact that they do so much smart business anyway uh, has made clubs more wary of dealing with them. Some transfers haven't worked out as well as others. Uh, you know. And I think it's all just uh, really a, a, a mix uh, of of factors. Uh unfortunately, I think this day was always going to come for Atalanta, but hopefully they can get themselves a, a second wind uh, you know, and, and move forward next season. Whether that's with Gasparini or not, we'll have to wait and see. But there have also been signs that Gasparini's been falling out with some key players. That's why Papu Gomez uh was moved on. And perhaps it's just approaching that natural end uh, you know, of that uh you know romance between Gasparini and Atalanta.
2: Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is is that Uh, I think JJ was spot on in that. There's been this romanticism built around the club. Obviously, this was ground zero for COVID the last couple of years, exceeding expectations, Uh, just the performance of the team, the quality of players, the work they do in the transfer window, but it's still a relatively small club. I do believe that they're one of the few clubs that owns their stadium. Are they not, um, Atalanta? I could be wrong on that Sounds about right. and so there is some factors to that with the takeover and things like that in terms of how big you can make a club. Obviously, one of the biggest struggles in Serie A from a business standpoint is revenue at the gates that comes in because most are historic cities or, uh, owned by the city or owned by you know partially by the city that really does take a, take a hit in terms of the team's ability to, to drive revenue throughout a season or significantly grow. Juventus being an example of one who's been able to, to get past that. And so it does feel like the end of a natural cycle. I personally, oddly, over the last couple of years – when when now in this season, seeing the the, the underperformance of 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 the team, I've I've sort of put them, I've categorized them into being a big club now. But if you're Gasparini, you know that it's something different than how we see it as fans, and it's probably time for him to challenge himself somewhere else with perhaps deeper pockets. Though there could be some promises being made in terms of uh, access to to becoming a top four contender year in and year out. We've seen already the top four has been finished. Juventus have secured at least the top four. And so there isn't this excitement going into the final days for those European spots when you were to, when you add uh, Roma into that conversation as well as Atalanta.
1: Yes, Asuolo, Juventus, Udinese, and Atalanta, all clubs who own their own stadiums. Uh, let's move on. We've got a, a, a little bit more of a... Information and news to come out with very quickly. Jonathan Johnson, Nice against Nantes, and the Coupe de France final. What, what can we expect here?
3: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one, actually. It's got a, a really traditional feel about it. Two teams that have gone without silverware for far too long, very historical clubs. Uh, you know, this is a really big deal for both of them getting to the final. Uh, and obviously of particular interest, we saw Christophe Gertier lead Lille to the league, Ligue 1 title last season. He's moved to Nice uh, and he's been doing, I, I think he's been doing a decent job. I didn't expect Nice to be immediate title contenders this season. There's definitely uh, a a rebuild to be done there over the next couple of years. I'm keen to know, uh, you know, when there is a definitive end to Ratcliffe's potential interest in Chelsea, because that could have huge ramifications for what did seem to be a a very ambitious project in Nice. But for the moment, uh, you know, that's pushing on. And this is a huge opportunity for Galtier to add uh, you know, to his uh to his CV, to his stock in France, which is already very high. Uh, and I think that, you know, they, Nice will be very motivated for this. They've they kind of fallen a bit out of contention for the Champions League uh in recent weeks with teams like Monaco picking up form uh at the end of the season. Uh, and I think as well, Nantes, this is a huge opportunity for them to get some silverware that they wouldn't have expected. And if you think back to uh you know a season or so ago. When Comboare came in, Nantes were on the verge of relegation. They played in the playoff Mm. to avoid relegation to Ligue 2. And now they find themselves in a cup final. They had to recover from Raymond Dominic coming out of managerial retirement, almost leading them down to the second tier. Uh, And now look at them. They're thriving. So this one, I'm really, really excited to, to see how it plays out. We've seen some unexpected names in Coupe de France finals over the last couple of years, uh, some unexpected winners as well, like when Rennes beat PSG. So, uh, you know, for it to not be one of the, the real big fish uh, in French football, uh, you know, I think that's quite refreshing.
1: All right, well, let's move on to the Bundesliga as well. Uh, you know, obviously Bayern Munich doing their thing. But Freiburg and Leipzig, finalists of the DFB-Pokal, are locked in a battle for fourth. There's a one-point gap as well. Freiburg play Union Berlin at home, Leverkusen away. Leipzig play Augsburg at home, Armenia away. And, of course, Leipzig still have to face Rangers as well in the Europa League. Heath Pierce, the the battle for fourth is is intriguing, uh, especially for Freiburg's side, who's trying to, you know, stay right there in fourth spot.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it, for, for Leipzig specifically, it's got a little bit of that Hoffenheim feel. If you go back to Hoffenheim a decade ago when they kind of had that momentum of being this European challenger, it is tough uh, in the model that was built. Similarly, different style of play and different uh, system of play for for RB Leipzig. But the way in which they had sort of the, the German Bill Gates come in and fund this club and go with a lot of young players that we've seen go on to bigger clubs – You've had the cyclical thing to it, where it is really hard to go punch for punch, and we're seeing that with RB Leipzig, which still have a ton of talent, but after a managerial change, are now finding themselves potentially on the verge of of not getting in, uh, depending on how they end up in, in 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 Europe as well as how they finish in this top four. And then you have this random year where a Freiburg is able to to just do something special and kind of have a little bit of that team of destiny uh, to them in terms of a top four finish. So it's going to be a really difficult into uh, the into the campaign. For, for RB Leipzig, who've lost their last two, yes, Tyler Adams selfishly is getting minutes again at the moment, but they're not getting the results, so that hurts a little bit. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, end uh, to the rest of the season.
3: Yeah, and I think something else that makes it so intriguing as well, uh, you know, is this DFB-Pokal final that's coming up between Freiburg and Leipzig, because it's going to allow that like league rivalry to to quali- to get to the last qualification spot for the Champions League to spill over into the cup as well. I mean, you had that recently where Leipzig managed to, to beat Union Berlin to reach the final, but then Union Berlin in the next match beat RB Leipzig to knock them slightly back in that Champions League race. So it's it, it's huge and it's going to be fascinating viewing. And I think the other thing as well that's so intriguing about it is that these are two polar opposite clubs. Freiburg, it, it's like everything, or they're viewed as everything that's like wholesome about the German game up against RB Leipzig. And, you know, it's well documented, uh, you know, sort of how unpopular they are within Germany because of the, the the nature of the project and their ownership. So, you know, I think that this is a, a fascinating conversation cultural battle uh, as much as it is between two attractive teams on the pitch between now and the end of the season.
1: All right. Well, let's talk to La Liga conversation, of course, because there's also a race right there in the four-spot race as well. Well, you know, in fifth right now, you know, there's a fifth place, Real Betis, as they host Barcelona and Atleti against Real Madrid, who are in fourth. There's a shout here. There's a fight. Obviously, we know that Real Madrid, they're done you know, in that Madrid derby. So, you know, they're still going to give it their all, I'm sure, but they've won the league. There, They're in the final of the Champions League. They have a lot to focus on. Barcelona in second, Sevilla, Atleti. So Real Betis and Atleti are fighting for that Champions League spot. Of course, Atleti uh, with a four-point advantage. So Real Betis really needs something here. Jonathan Johnson, thoughts on, on that? And Real Betis, obviously, you know, a soft spot for that club. How, how do you make it as they try and fight for that Champions League spot after winning Copa del Rey as well
3: yeah I mean it's 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 really interesting because in many ways you know Betis have already achieved what they wanted to achieve from this season or you know it's probably already exceeded their their wildest expectations I mean to be in this position at this moment in time itself is an achievement the fact that they've got more silverware uh in the trophy cabinet uh you know Joaquin is now going to stay on and play an extra year uh you know it's it, it it's crazy. It's such a positive story. I'd love for them to manage to, to swing Champions League football. Uh, I meant to check this actually the other day after they won the, the Copa del Rey final. Does that mean that an additional European spot drops down, which could potentially hand Villarreal a lifeline uh, you know, despite their valiant Champions League exit, uh, you know, I don't know how that one's going to play out. I think Betis coming up against Barcelona has probably come a couple of weeks too late for them to really, uh, you know, make the the most of that Champions League push. But then again, at the end of the day, it's only three points. Uh, you know, Sevilla keep, uh, you know, dropping points as well. And Atleti, we know that Atleti, ha- ha- things haven't been quite right there. For, for quite some time. So, depending on the way that results play out, not necessarily this weekend, but in the, the few remaining matches, it wouldn't surprise me to either see Betis, you know, bump up and get a, an unexpected Champions League spot or even drop down, uh, you know, allowing somebody like a Villarreal to, to close the gap.
1: Yeah, the Copa del yeah. Rey uh, victory secures a Europa League spot for Real Betis, but not a Champions League spot. So, obviously, fourth is very key for them. Heath, jump in, obviously, on this fight for fourth.
2: I'm going to be really disappointed if we just get the same four teams on the final <laughs> yeah. day of the season that in, in the top four Atletico Madrid. I mean, um, Real Batiste, actually not in a great run of form, but e- each of the three teams in, in front of them have given up all points in 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 two of their last sort of five or six matches. So there is some vulnerabilities to everyone, but I look at it and I just think. What's Real Madrid going to do in terms of putting out their team? Obviously, you have a Madrid derby, but they've got nothing really to play for in that. They've got the big Champions League final. How do they protect the squad, rotate the squad in a different way? that Could it mean something uh, enough to, to put out their, their best roster? Obviously, we've talked about there being sort of a transitional moment at Real Madrid, and they've kind of uh, completely outperformed any of our expectations this year. But I look at that and say, oh, man, Atletico Madrid could take all three points after having a very average season and find themselves – more secure uh, in a top four position, and he's in Real not Betis. a cigar
1: smoker, by the way. Per per Carlo Ancelotti, he just did it because they're his friends. That's what he said. Uh, uh, how can you not love this man? By the way, it's, it's I mean, so I mean, great. I think, I think, if you'd managed to
3: jump ship at Everton uh, and then get into a Champions League final, all of a sudden you'd be smoking
1: as many cigars as Ancelotti <laughs> has this past week. You'd be smoking more than a cigar, I think. All right. Uh, well, okay. Well, that's the end of our last Lasso weekend preview Jonathan Johnson Heath Pierce final thoughts before we say goodbye Jonathan Johnson final thoughts buddy
3: yeah I mean just a pleasure really, to to, to chew through the fat with you guys it's always great to have Heath back on with us and uh you know uh representing the uh the the snapback mafia as well <laughs>
2: Uh, my, uh, my final thoughts are that, yeah, it's great to see everybody wearing their hats today It Thursday is like, you know, wor- <laughs> world, world hat day. Uh, and also Seattle Sounders, CONCACAF champions, league champions. I mean, my prediction was three, one, I was laughed at. I was, it was even better than that. Let's go. We're going to we're we, the league, you know, we're all going to put on our MLS hats, like the NFL Rob Lowe thing. And we're going to the, we're going to the cup.
1: Absolutely. Now, fantastic stuff. And I echo those sentiments as well. Well, that's it from all of us. Jonathan, Johnman, John underscore like gossip. Make sure you follow his content on CBA Sports as well. And Heath Pierce as well as hosting, co-hosting in soccer. We trust plenty to digest as well. And LME, LME Chegaray. Don't forget to follow us, youtube.com forward slash Kegolaso. Kegolazo. Pod on Twitter, we got plenty more to come, including a great conversation as well uh, with David Sampson. Uh, former executive as well, who will talk to us about, you know, the uh, incoming purchase we'll see of Todd Bowley. He'll talk to us about what Todd Bowley is like as an owner, et cetera. And we got Weekend Recap to come up and so much more. Que Lasso, Thanks you for being part of our family. Enjoy the weekend. See you next time. Have a great, great rest of your week.